so grateful today that we can have a trusting heart just to be able to trust him. Sometimes he moves toward the left and we're convinced he should move toward the right. Sometimes he moves toward the right, we're totally convinced he should keep going straight. So if you don't trust him, you're going to be lost in the sands of time. And there'll be times that he will do things that will break your heart. Things that will just leave you in a state of utter confusion. You just think, I I don't understand, Lord. Why why would you do this? Why would you go that way? I remember hearing it many years ago. Brother Branham had prayed a prayer and he said, talking about the will of God. And he said, Father, you've broken my heart so many times. And I thank you for it. And I thank you for it. What peculiar way to look at the will of God. But for those who really love him and trust him, they know that it works somehow for their good. Aren't you glad we can praise him? Even when things are going difficult, as we looked at it Wednesday night, when there's no flour in your cupboard, no oil in your bottle, no flocks in your barn, yet I will praise my God. Amen. See, it's not me. Carol was talking about coming to church this morning. She's talking about how she's been enjoying this service on praise and how she was learning more and more how to praise him. I said, yeah, you know, it's not just how much we praise him, but it's we learn how to praise him in difficult times and things whenever it all it just looks so bad but yet somehow our hearts learn to trust him praise the lord we greet you today in the name of the lord jesus at sermon number one um it's a privilege for us to be gathered together here today isn't it hebrews chapter one verse one We'll read um, down through verse 3 this morning. God, who in sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, and by whom also he made the worlds. And what did God make the worlds by? The Word. So the Son is his Word, who being the brightness of his glory, that is the rays, this word here is a beautiful word, it's the rays that come out, or the outcrying of a ray. So it's rays that come out from a being of light. So he's the brightness of his image. So we would have been able to stand there in eternity and seen him, this holy one, the eternal. That would have been rays that would have been coming out of him. That's the sun. That's his word. That's the Logos, being the brightness of his glory, which is doxa. And it's that effigence, 
of his great presence and being. In the express image of his person. And upholding all things by the rhema of his dunamis. Rhema. Now remember there's two words used in the New Testament in the English language for word. One is logos and the other is rhema. Satan quotes the logos and has access to it. So does theologians. But rhema is the word spoken by a living voice. So it's not just somebody repeating scripture, repeating scripture, quoting scripture. Anybody spiritually dead can do that. But when it's rhema word, this is where he says, man should not live by bread alone, but by every rhema word, which comes out of the mouth of God. And this is what Paul says, that he upholds all things by the rhema, which is a living voice of his dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite from. Upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, set down on the right hand of the majesty on high. How many would like to be remembered today as we pray? Let's just bow our heads if you would and hold your needs, your requests in your heart. Heavenly Father, it is such a, a wonderful opportunity being given to us mortals today that we would be able to stand together here in this building in the presence of Almighty God. Really, it's not been that long ago in your time, only two days past, that we Gentiles were not allowed to come into your presence, much less call you Father. We might have ventured out and called you God, but we would have never referred to you by those sacred terms of Adonai and Elohim and Yahweh. We would have never called you by such covenant names. If we would have ventured to call you even God, we would have probably felt very frightened because you had not made yourself known to us. Lord God, but we're grateful today that you have come to the earth. We thank you for that. This that we have read was the express image of your person that you come to redeem us, that you might take our sin upon yourself and redeem us, Father. And here we stand today, not only invited to come into your presence, but into the inner sanctum of the Most High God. But we know it was the custom of the Eastern kings that they had a sacred place, as it were, to them. A place that they would take refuge by themselves. Even the queen or those ladies of the harem or the children could not come at will into the private chamber of the king. Counselors, no matter how great, magistrates and whoever they were, they could not come without being beckoned. But Father God, we stand here today in the inner sanctum of the Most High, in behind the veil. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for that opportunity. And we're not trespassers today, but we have a personal invitation from the King himself. 
Father, you see these prayer calls that I have in my hands. Lord, you know the needs they represent. I pray, Father, that you'd move for them today. You saw the needs of your children. We're asking you that you would just help them. Minister to the sick. Encourage those that are weary. Lift us up. Give us something from the service today. We ask in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Let's read um, this verse 3 again, if you would. Who being the brightness of his glory, the outgoing rays of his presence. Many of you have seen it whenever the sun will shine down through the trees. And I love it. I've got a picture that I took several years ago and I was sitting in Illinois hunting and it was before daylight whenever I got in there. And as the sun started coming up and the mist was rising up off the earth and the temperature started to warm and all around me the beauty of God and the leaves had not fallen yet. Some were green, some were yellow, some were orange, some were red. But where I was sitting up in a, in a tree stand about 20 foot high, something like that, and the light of the sun began to come down and it was dappled shade here and there. But where I was sitting, the rays were coming down between the branches and I took out my phone and started taking different pictures of this because the stages of the glory would change according to the angle. Now you brothers at Hunt know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been there when it would come daylight. But as the sun would continue to rise and it would come up and the angle of the sun would hit a different angle of in between the branches. And there would be certain rays of light that would be out at this degree of angle. And then as the sun would come up, it would change. And the degree of the angle would change. And every time I see that, it reminds me of this scripture in that God was not wanting to be misunderstood. He was not wanting to always be in this realm of eternity where no one could love him, no one could touch him, no one could be able to come near him. So if we would be able to look into that today, it would have been similar, no, no real true comparison, of course, but if we would have seen those rays that would have come from this great eternal and this was before, of course, that time ever began. This is before he took on the name of Jehovah or Adonai or Elohim. At that time, he wasn't even God, which means object of worship, because there was no one to worship him. But we would have looked by a spiritual eye and seen here was this great, great being. Now, he's not a man. He's not an old man, a young man. He's not a man. God is a spirit. And he is light. And out of this would have come these rays. It would have been so bright and so brilliant. It would have 
put out our natural eyes. John caught a little glimpse of it, and it was so overwhelming that John passed out. How many of the prophets, when they saw this great thing of God, this glory of God? Now remember, shouting, singing, rejoicing, jumping, all of those things are the blessings of God. But that's not necessarily the glory of God. Brother Ram talks about being in the presence of the angel of the Lord and how many times the glory of God would come to where he was. And he said, even though it had happened many, many times, it would leave him paralyzed. It would leave him afraid. It would leave him frightened and almost take his breath away. So it was not jumping. It was not shouting. That's the blessings of the Lord. But this is something totally different. Now, whenever Paul was able by the grace of God to pin this down for the first time, Moses and the elders saw part of this in Exodus 24. And the prophets of the Old Testament were able to catch a little glimpse of it. But it was not clearly revealed like it was in the New Testament. Paul may be sitting in the presence of God and he picked up his pen and the Spirit said, pick up your pen and write. And he began to write about what he saw. That he says, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. And we looked at it last week, but I'd like to remind you of it again today. The word image comes from the word character. And it is the instrument used for engraving or carving. So he is the express image of his person. So it is the tool or the instrument. As our young sister sitting here with a pen in her right hand, writing down scriptures or the meanings of the word. So she wants to be able to put this down on a note or a piece of paper that she'll be able to refer to later. So God needed a character that would be able to reflect his image of what he was. He needed a way to be able to express it. So it was the instrument used for engraving or marking. The mark stamped upon that instrument or wrought on it. The exact expression the image of any person or thing, also a marked likeness, precise reproduction in every respect or a facsimile. Now, you would be more familiar with this term as being a fax, which is a shortened version of the word facsimile. So God wanted to be able to express himself you know, you say, why would you preach to us things like this? When we are dealing with sickness and trouble and heartache and sadness, why would you want to bring us something like this? Well, I'll tell you, I found out a long time ago 
that sometimes Papa wants to get up on the side of the nest. And he likes to just spread his wings out and fan the wind and let us catch a glimpse of how great he is and how wonderful that he is. And sure, God will allow the ministers to come down on a level and preach about sadness and sickness and all of that. But when God came to Job, God, what did he do? He used this express attribute of his greatness and he began to ask Job questions that Job could not answer. Why was he doing it? To show Job how great he was. You know, I think that we as the people of God, if we can ever truly find out who we are, then no matter what we ever go through, it will help us and give us great faith in the promise of God to face whatever comes our way. Now, God, we know that he's changed himself. I hope you're able to follow me now with this, that God never revealed himself in the fullness even of his names. Whenever God went to dealing with Moses and he called him and he said, oh, well, what is your name? What is your name? Which is a peculiar statement, really. What is your name? Because God had made himself known to the fathers uh, prior to this in different names. Now, unlike you and I, if I would mention my name, Donnie Reagan, well, you know what? Depending on what you think about me is what you're going to relate to when you mention the name Donnie Reagan. Some people, it might make them very nauseous and kind of sick at their stomach because they just flat don't like me. Others, they, when they would hear my name mentioned, they would think of respect and honor and somebody that they love and pray for. Well, hey, my brother, whenever he hears my name mentioned, he thinks of me in different ways. Hey, he loves me and respects me very highly and already has, so I know him well enough to know that his first order would be that I'm a servant of God. But then he would also think about me as being his brother. And he might go back to memories that we would have together whenever we were at home and boys raising up. But you know, everybody has an identity by your name. And your name is really who you are. But not just who you are, but how people think you are. People that don't really know me, that don't really know you, they may say, oh my goodness, he's a horrible person. He gets up there and just preaches and blasts people and this and that and the other. Well, they really don't know me. So they would mention my name, but they would not have the true character of who I am unless they really would know me. So it was important for Moses, if he's going to bring the people of God out of deliverance, to find the name of God that he was going to reveal himself in that dispensation. You follow me so far? Now, why was not the name that he had chosen to reveal himself to Abraham? It was a wonderful name. Why was not the name that he chose to reveal himself 
to Jacob. And it was a wonderful name. And become so personalized to Jacob that when Jacob built an altar and he called the name of that altar El Elohi Israel. God, the God of Israel. Well, why did Moses use that name? That's a wonderful name. Why did not he use the name that the Hebrews were not allowed to say? Now, the word Jehovah is actually not the correct pronunciation, we know. There, in the original Hebrew, there are no vowels in the name. So it is consonants only. So the word Jehovah is a hybrid. And they look at the word Jehovah, the Jews, and they will not even say it because of how sacred that it really is. Well, we know that God made himself known that way, so why didn't Moses just use that name? Wonderful name, great name. But why would he ask, what is your name? What am I going to tell them? And you're familiar with this, then when Moses asked him, so he said, who will I tell them has sent me? And God responds, I am that I am. That is who I am. That's my name. Now really, I am, in one sense, is not a, a, a name like John, Jim, Fred, Susie, Cynthia, Carol, Amos, whoever more, but it was the character that God had chosen to reveal himself in, in this time of deliverance. You know, this is why it's so important for us as the people of God to be identified with the person of God the way he's making himself known right now. Now, if we point back to the 50s and the 60s and maybe uh, the, the 70s, then we will point to a historical God, a God that used to move, a God that used to do this and that, myself, I don't need a God of history. I need a God that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't need a God who used to could do miracles. I need a God who can perform miracles today. I don't need a God that was Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Titskanu, Jehovah our banner, Jehovah our healer, Jehovah Rapha. I don't need a God that was all of that. I need a God who is all of that today. And yet we know that whatever that he chooses to reveal his character in, in that space of time, is the way we know what he's got on his heart. Now, for us, the name of God has not changed for 2,000 years because he took on the human name of Yahshua, or as we say, Jesus. So he was born Jesus, but he became Christos once the Spirit of God, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, enters into him. 
but he does not become Lord Jesus Christ until after his human journey has been completed. Now remember, as, as they preached about it in the book of Acts, this same Jesus has God made both Lord and Christ. But you'll not find the angel calling him Lord Jesus Christ when he was born. Is that right? You know your Bible? Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So here God is allowing himself to be able to experience the new phase of Christian growth. Now watch, he is allowing himself to go from one stage to another to another. So in Luke 2.52, the Bible tells us that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature before God and man. So what's he doing? He is growing as a human being. So he lives on this earth for some 30 years. As we would say, one that is submitted to God. One that was, now you remember he was born the word. But he was not yet quickened as far as the fullness of the father coming into him. That was not there when he was born in the manger. And because father had separated the spirit from the logos. So here is the word. Was he the word? Sure he was. He was the word made flesh. But the father is the quickener of the word. So the Lord Jesus lived his life on the earth for some 30 years and then he goes down to be baptized in order to fulfill the scripture. And whenever John washes the sacrifice, the immersion of the sacrifice in the cleansing pool, then here comes a sign out of heaven and it was Father God coming to get inside of this human body of redemption. Now here Paul is looking back. Now I love the way that God chooses prophets to be able to write things. I love the Matthew's writing and Mark and Luke and John and all the others. But you know there's nothing that quite like a prophet being so inspired because he looks into a realm of God that most of the rest of us are just not called to see. And when Paul looked into that realm, and remember he saw him on the road to Damascus. So here is Paul, and he's a Jew, of course, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, brought up at the feet of Gamaliel, one that loved the law, the Torah, but yet he hated the new name of God. He did not know the new name of God. But he did say whenever he met him on the road, Lord, who are you? Now watch, who are you, Lord? He could have said, I'm El Shaddai. I am Jehovah Jireh. I am Jehovah Shalom. And Paul would immediately, Brother Joel, identified him as being the God of the Old Testament, but he needed to update the name with the character of the word for that hour. So watch how he answers him. I am Jesus. And it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Now watch the way he answers him. He is answering him according to the way the word is being revealed 
for that hour. What was it? I could have said, I am Adonai, I am, I am, you know, all of that in the Old Testament. But he does not say, I am El Rohi, but he says, I am Jesus. So this identifies now the name of God that is going to be revealed, as Paul says here, that in these last days, 2,000 years, he's spoken unto us by his word or his son. So when men of God stand up and preach the word of God, it is actually the Lord Jesus. Now listen, it is the Lord Jesus taking the gift in their life and them standing there as a human instrument and the spirit of God speaking to you your needs. Right? Sometimes it might be a rebuke. It might be an encouragement. It might be lots of different things. But it is still the Son of God. Do you believe whenever men of God stand up and preach, it's still the Son of God? So this scripture is still ongoing to this very day. He is in this last day speaking to us by his Son. Oh, but Brother Donnie, not, not you. No, I'm not talking about me anyway. I'm talking about the Word. So when the Word comes forth, God is still speaking by his son. Now what is his son? So by his son he made the worlds. So it wasn't an old man there and a younger man and the old man spoke to the young man and said now look son I want you to go out there and I want you to make a bunch of worlds now and I want you to be able to make a bunch of stars and I want you to create a universe and oh, yes daddy, yes daddy that's what I'll do. Now one of these days son I, I'm going to send you down on the earth and you're going to have to die for people. Yes, Daddy, if that's what you want me to do, Daddy. Well, I'll tell you one thing. If that's the way it is, we're not even yet fully redeemed because the God who made the law must take the penalty of his own law and be able to pay that to release you and I from it. But you see, a spirit light could not die. An image like this that Paul had called could not die. A spirit could not suffer. How could we ever be able to catch this light here which is only made by electricity illuminating off these LED light bulbs, how could we ever be able to capture that light, take that light to a cross? Well, that is only a small mirror image of what the great eternal is. And Jesus, of course, tells us that God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So what was this effigy of the image of God? It was the visible part of the invisible God. So here Paul says that he is the brightness of his glory. So now picture in your mind that as I mentioned a while ago that light coming down through the trees and that light is not actually the sun itself but it's something that has traveled 93 million miles. 93 million miles from the sun and whenever it comes up and it begins to warm the earth and it's moving that fast 93 million miles from the earth and it takes it however long to get here but as it does it begins to penetrate through the shade and through the darkness and the rays begin to come down and through the spectrum of light of ultraviolet light as it brings the seven colors and it comes and what does it do? Here the leaves are just now starting to put out in East Tennessee and before long the chlorophyll will start coming up in them and, and the photosynthesis 
this and all this and making the sugars. And they will start coming up from what? Because you and I want them to? No, it's the power of the sun. And the sun is able to penetrate and come down through here and it produces it every spring and it's done it for millennia. But think about it, this might be the last spring on the earth. We may be fixing to go into the millennium. Hallelujah. So here is the brightness of his glory. So it's the rays that's coming from this eternal being that is not an old man. He doesn't have a beard. He doesn't have long hair. He doesn't have fingers, but he's a great spirit God. But he wanted to make himself known. So he releases this rays of his glory. Who is the brightness of his glory and the express character or tool of his person. So here God makes a tool to be able to reflect his person. What is that tool? His son slash word. So God then condescends into a level that man will be able to relate to him. He's right here this morning. Oh, don't you love him for that? Now this is the image or the character or the tool that God will make everything from. For by him were all things made and there was not anything made that was made by him. In him was life and the light was the light of men. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was not that light but he was sent to bear witness of that light that all men through him might be able to believe. So what did God do? When the character of his person come on the earth God had him to be foreran by a prophet that was pointing the people to what? The bursting forth of the new day. Now John did not know him by name for he said he that sent me into the wilderness to baptize said on him of whom you would see the spirit of God descending that is him. So John didn't know his name was Jesus. He didn't know what his name was but there was a heavenly sign that he said this is him. This is the way you'll know him right here. So whenever he comes he is the identification of the spirit of God in a human being. Now if God only wanted one of those, he would have never had to die, never went to the cross, but God wanted more than one and whom deity would live in. How many of you feel like you have the Holy Ghost today in your soul? You're baptized with the Holy Ghost? Well, what you have is this same deity that was in the Lord Jesus. Now, Jesus had it without measure, but you and I have it with a measure. Now, for those of you that have been over huge bodies of water, maybe you've been uh, privileged to fly over the Atlantic or the Mediterranean or the Pacific or uh, the different oceans, and you look out there, and it's just my vast of nothing but water itself. Well, that's the way the Lord Jesus was with the Spirit of God. It was without measure. In him was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. But if you reach down and take a little teaspoon and dip down into that great body of the Pacific and you pull it up, then you look in that teaspoon and put it under a microscope and a laboratory and they would be able to say the very same elements that's in the body of the Pacific is in this little teaspoon. That's the way 
by you and I are today. So here we are, and this is why we need one another. Well, I'm just a little T90 teaspoon, or even smaller than that probably. So you get me and you and you and you and you and you, and what are we making? Well, we start making a little glass of water, and then you have a special meeting, and then you make a wash tub, and then you have a great big meeting, and then you got a river, and then you got a lake, and then you've got so on. So what will it be when you get all them drops together in eternity? So Father needed a tool by which he would be able to bring the rest of those names which were in the Lamb's book of life. Now remember God gave Adam the title deed to the earth. And Adam is supposed to speak every one of those names into existence and we would have been brought forth on the earth. But when Adam forfeited his right and mine to come that first way, then the book, the title deed to the book of redemption goes right back in the hands of God. God. Moses never saw that book. Jeremiah was never privileged to handle that book. No angel was ever able to open and peer down through the pages and read the names. No demon has ever been able to grab a hold of that book. We will set this way, it is God's personal diary. It is a family memento which he himself wrote before the foundation of the world. But he needed a human tool on the earth to be able to to transcribe those names in flesh that are written in the book of life before the foundation of the world. You see, there will be a life on the earth that'll match every name that's there. Oh, hallelujah. And his name being the first one, of course, on the book of life, and then whoever thereafter. But whenever we become born again, what happens to us? The Spirit of God overshadows that little seed gene on, in, on the inside of you that that you were born with that may have laid dormant for years and years. And one day the Spirit of God begins to breathe on that the same way the Spirit of God moved upon the earth. And the word there is, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and that is Ruach Elohim. Ruach Elohim. And the word there is like a bird that would start fluttering its wings. So the Spirit of God God started hovering around Mother Earth and started warming it up and began to move and it began to brood over the earth. Oh my. I've got a couple of quotes here. I may not get to them here today, but in Christ the mystery, I'd been noticing the prophets say a word over and over again and that was uh, the devil howling. And he said what the devil is howling about in this day is because of what God is doing and what God is manifesting among the brothers. And he said it's causing the devil to howl. Well, we know a dove don't have the ability to howl. It's either a coyote or a wolf or a dog or something like that, which is too good really for the devil anyway. He's lowering a dog. But he, what is he doing? He's all mad and angry and he's howling. Go ahead and howl at the moon devil. Howl at the church building. Howl at whatever you want to howl at. But God is not howling. God is cooing. Now you see, why do we know that? Because that is the name nature of what he's being revealed. Now for some of you that's been raised in the message, I, I think that some of you, especially some of our youth, they don't really appreciate what it's like to be burst under an atmosphere of freedom from the word. Now for many of us that come out of legalism of Pentecost or legalism of this or that or the other, and every day of our life, every week of our life was under some type of bondage.
bondage that we were under. You've heard me tell it before, and I was telling a brother this week that I was under such legalism in the earlier years of my ministry that I got to a spot if I did not fast every week. I'm talking about three days, five days, seven days, 10 days, the longest I ever went was 14 days, and would be out putting up tents, driving tent stakes so weak that you can hardly go right in the middle of the summer. But I got to a spot if I did not fast, if I did not do something, I felt like God, but not even use me. Not only did I fast, but my wife did the same. And be so weak that she couldn't hardly even get up. Have to lay in the bed. Have to take a tent and set it up and drive the stakes out in the hot sun and you'd have to drive a few and then start and rest a little bit and then drive a few more. But it got to where that it was such legalism. If I didn't do it, I felt like God would never use me. God would not anoint me. Now you don't know what that's like to be under such a bondage. And really the image that I had of God was one that was out to get me. And if I messed up, he's going to get me. If I don't do this, he's going to get me. And if I don't do that, why? That was the ministry that I sat under. And they were producing that character of God to me that made me so afraid of him. I was so, anybody ever been there? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I was so afraid of him. I could not relate to him. Nothing like I do today. And then I kind of changed a little bit and God allowed me to go in another group of Pentecostals. And I remember one of the first guys that I started hearing refer to Father. And it was, it was Homer Stevens, a guy from Russell Springs, Kentucky. And he would call him Father God. And I thought that was so unusual, Father God, because I'd never prayed in that respect before. I was so afraid of God, I didn't want to trespass over into the line of his ju judgment jurisdiction that somehow I would get in trouble. And I, I, I was really very fearful of it. And I would hear this man as I would go hear him, and he was a, he was a good man, loved the Lord for what he knew. And I, I began to ponder on that, and I, I didn't refer to that to the Lord that way for quite some time because I just wanted to make sure so I started reading my Bible more and I realized you know this is what the Lord Jesus said I had no problem believing that Jesus could say that but could Donnie say that could I actually say that Father God could I relate to him as being a father that loved me that gave everything he had for me so slowly the dispensation of the name of God began to change for me to lead me to the message of there. Y'all follow me? Now, one of the things that I so appreciate about the message is and about the prophet was that it took me even further into that. Now, granted that I had heard a few of the doctrines that Brother Brenham had preached before. I already started looking at predestination and a few things like that. But yet, it was not just that alone that just mesmerized me. It was not the doctrine of the serpent seed or some of the other things. But when I began to listen to him pray and how he would talk to God and how he would relate to God and it was not that he was horrified. Oh yes, he had a great respect and a great honor but it was not that he was horrified of God. Can anybody relate to what I'm saying? 
You know what it did? was that that started changing me before I even started embracing some of the major doctrines because I would listen to him as he would pray. And you could tell it was not a put on. It was not a farce. It was not something that he was trying to impress people. But he was praying as if though there was no one else even there. And I would hear the words that he would say to God and how he would address God. And I realized, even though I'd started calling him Father God, I never could relate to him quite in this same way. The message of the hour is more than just accumulation of a bunch of doctrines. It is more than just us pointing to a, a man that we believe was the seventh angel. It is to bring every one of us to a closer experience with Jesus Christ. It is more than us rallying around, you know, the places that this happened, Jeffersonville and Tucson and all that. Oh yes, we thank God for all of that. But if the message of the hour does not bring us into a closer standing with the Lord Jesus, then what good is it? If it just gives us a bunch of doctrines to fuss about and argue about and condemn everybody else for, I'm afraid we're just another denomination. Oh my. But you see, God has been using this, this tool in order to express what? His image. I needed the image of God personally retooled in my own understanding. I needed the image of God. Now some of you are sitting right here today and you need the very thing to happen to you this very day. Because some of you are still relating to God the, the way you related to your father, the way you related to your earthly daddy, or the way that you related to that strong male figure in your life. I'll tell you, friends, God is unlike any other. You cannot judge God by your daddy. You cannot judge God by your ex-husband. You cannot judge God by preachers that have taken advantage of you. God stands alone. He is holy. He is pure. He is righteous. There is none like him. No matter how great your father is, he will fail you. No matter how great men have been in your life, and the prophet told us, I just read it this week, he said you go to get in your eyes on a man and God will allow that man to fall right in front of you so you will not follow any man. Come on, don't get quiet on me now. Let's keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus. He's the only one that is without fault. Over oh, the Donnie, you got flaws? All kinds of them. As a matter of fact, every preacher that I know of does and even the ones I don't know do but they match the sheep they preach to Amen. but there's only one today that's without flaw there's only one that is perfect there is only one that is sublime and that's our Lord Jesus he's the only one that God could take in his hand and write your story Amen. oh Hallelujah. You see, it was reflected of what God wanted to do. As I looked at it last Sunday, let's just tap back on it a little bit. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 20, when they asked the Lord Jesus, was it proper to pay taxes? And he says, show me the tribute money. 
show me the tribute money. And he holds up a coin. And he said, whose image and superscription is on this? And they say, Caesar. They were able to see the image of Caesar on the coin, but they couldn't see the image of God on the man holding the coin. So he could have turned and said, whose image and superscription is on my life? Now, of course, Caesar's image being on the coin did not make the coin Caesar, but it meant that it was identified as Caesar's currency. Christ's image in my life does not make me him. Christ's image in your life does not make you him. Let me bring it on down. Christ's image in Brother Branham did not make him Christ. I wish some of the message folks would understand that. Truly, he had an image impressed upon his life that none of the rest of us will ever have. Is that right? And we're grateful that God sent one among us that was able to bear that image, but it was not him. He was born a sinner. He was born lost. He needed to be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. He needed to be renewed and rejuvenated just like all the rest of us does. But yet God wanted to achieve something starting there with the first tool that he brought upon the earth. And what does God do? Through the fivefold ministry, God is still using tools. The prophet called them instruments or tools for the harvest. Oh God, may that be what I'm called to be. May every God call man around the world, whether they're in Africa or China or Indonesia, wherever they are, may we lay aside our petty ideas and our thoughts, our own personal agenda. May every servant of God be an instrument or a tool. May I say this not only to preachers, but may every one of you laity shine your light before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It's not you, brother, sister. It's not me. It is the image of the tool that is engraved upon our lives. You see, the earthly spiritual throne, mercy seat, and altar is now dwelling in the hearts of his elect. God told Moses to make the tabernacle after the image that was shown to him in the mount. And what did Moses see? Heaven. So he saw the temple in heaven. And he mirrored what was in heaven on the earth. Now we don't know exactly what the one in heaven was made out of. But God never sent down heavenly material. But he told Moses to use earthly material to mirror the heavenly. So maybe it was made of God created gold, God created silver, God created whatever. But yet that was not what they made the earthly one out of. They bring shatim wood. They bring silver. They bring gold. Where's all that coming from? Out of the earth. What is the tabernacle, glory to God. What is the tabernacle going to reflect where it sits and where it came from? 
So it's made out of earthly things. Oh, children, it's made out of earthly things, shatimwood, uh, the silver. And, and of course, we know the, the purple came from a little tiny shellfish. And then the blue come from the insect, the female insect that would come around the oak trees in this particular part of the world. And maybe a little tiny insect might yield one little drop of this dye. Part of it come from the water. Part of it come from the dirt. Part of it come from underneath the ground, the gold, the silver, the pearl. It come from the very heart of the earth. Part of it come from the waters. Part of it come from a tree that was standing there suspended above the earth. And yet God said, take all of those elements and put it together and make me a house. Make me a house that I can meet with my people. What was God using? A gift, a prophet. And the prophet was the one catching the vision of that. We never knew there was a temple in heaven that had three courts. We never knew that there was cherubims there. We never knew until the mirror from the heavenly began to be reflected by the earthly. Could we compare it to the heavenly? My, it must have looked frail and small and insignificant, but God condescended in the vision and showed Moses what to do. He didn't say, well, go ahead and pick up whatever you want to. And if you want to use this and that, that, that's fine. No, God said, I want you to use this. I want you to use that. I want you to make it so many cubits. I want it to be so many cubits high. Why? Every one of those things had a significance. Oh, what about when the human tabernacle come on the earth? What was his body made out of? It was made out of human beings whenever, oh my, the Holy Ghost overshadowed the Virgin Mary and God created in her both egg and germ and the Spirit of God started forming this body inside the baby and yet from her body she would eat the meat and the fish and the bread and it was nurturing the human body and it started growing from an embryo and started going inside of her body. Oh, hallelujah. I wish somebody would hear me today. But what was it? His body was more than humanity. His body was more than human cells. He was a prophecy of Isaiah 9, 6. He was a prophecy of Isaiah 7, 14. He was a prophecy of Zechariah 6, 12. Isaiah 35, 3. Behold, the lame man shall leap as an heart. God was making up the body of Jesus Christ. Don't you see what Luther was, what Wesley was, what Pentecost was, and we are heading up the consummation of God building a body for 2,000 years, and this is why he demands the preeminence in every life. Notice that the prophet said, cross the riven veil where the glories never fail, where the Shekinah glory of God keeps alive, keeps from contaminating, keeps from, listen to this, indulging in the world and sets aside, sanctifies the believer, taking all the things of the world, all the doubt and darkness from his mind and putting a pure heart, God writing his laws one time and put it in a table under the ark and today the man living in the Shekinah glory under the mercy seat, God writes his laws upon his heart and preserves them. Amen. 
You see, a person who's either justified or sanctified, they do not have this indwelling deity. And they're taught, don't do this, don't do that. This is wrong, that's wrong. Okay, 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 okay. Why them preachers have to keep on doing that? Because until you get this law wrote inside of you, you have no power to put it off by yourself. So a justified life, a sanctified life, wonderful. But you'll never get the preservation of the Shekinah until the author himself writes it in your soul. Remember, there's only one engraving tool which is used to seal every child of God. Even though I was not there on the day of Pentecost, the same author sealed my soul that sealed Peter's. Think of it, friends. It's the very same author today. He wrote the book of Peter. He wrote the book of Paul, the book of James, the book of John, and he's writing your book today and personally signing it himself with his own life. God does not use a denomination as a tool to make more children. Don't get angry at me. We are not going to be able to take and form a message denomination and be able God has no grandkids. God has kids. God has children. Our young people must have a new birth and experience with God just like your mama, just like your daddy. The man today living in the Shekinah glory is hiding what? Deity. God sitting on the throne of his heart. The mercy seat being overshadowed and the word being preserved inside of him. So whenever he's by himself, you know, a real son of God can be a godly Christian by himself just as well as he can with his wife. A real son of God is not kept by his wife, so he's not kept off of pornographic sites and things like that because of the fear of his wife. He's kept by the spirit of God on the mercy seat. Well, praise the Lord. A real child of God is not kept from lying because, oh, God will kill me. Oh, God, have mercy. God's going to kill me. Oh, no, 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 God, no. You need your change, your understanding change. This is why it's so important that the prophet of God so emphasized about us being bride, not servants. It's amazing, really, because it's a paradox the way you look at it. God wants us to have a servant attitude, but a bride approach. A servant attitude, but a bright approach. How would a servant approach a great, just, holy God scared to death? Afraid you're going to do anything wrong. Oh, God, I can't look in you in the face. I can't, I can't do anything wrong. You'll get me if I do. God wants you to have an, an attitude, Lord. Oh, this is just my, my, my service. I owe it all to you anyway. But God wants you to approach him, not as servants that are scared to death, but as the bride of Jesus Christ. Now you imagine my wife, and y'all know that I love her, and you brothers ought to love yours just the same, but if Carol seen a pretty dress somewhere and it wasn't, you know, outlandish and it wasn't a great expense, she just said, oh, Donnie, I seen the prettiest dress. I seen the prettiest dress at Big Lots you ever seen in your life. Right. Oh, it was so pretty. It was just my color. Oh, could I have it? Now, what do y'all think I'd do? That's her middle name. (laughs) Y'all learned a mystery today. She don't like that name. (laughs) Sit down here. What am 
for another dress. She knows better than that. All she's got to do is take in my eyes and look into mine, and I just melt. Now, y'all have to forgive me. We just got married 49 years ago. Me and her, whenever we go out to eat, we sit. It's all right. Me and her go out to eat, we sit on the same, you know, if they put you in a booth, we sit on the same side. Uh-huh. And they'll kind of look at us, you know, we're squeezed in and say, I always tell them, we just got married. Oh, congratulations, 49 years ago. And they say, wow, you don't ever hear of that anymore. Wow, well, congratulations. My goodness, yeah, we got married 16, turned 17 the next day. Wow. And I'm thinking, you think it's wow. You ought to be on our seat. It's really wow. Aren't you glad you've got a marriage that God put together by his grace? Well, my, what type of a person would I be than if Carol found this something that she really, really wanted? And also said it was not excessive and this and that. And I say, Carol, I'm ashamed of you. I cannot believe, woman. I looked in your closet the other day and there was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fourteen, fourteen. Dresses and you need another one? She has to be careful what she says. Because if she tells me she saw this or that or the other, if it's still available, she'll have it in the morning. Why? Because I love her. Oh, you say that ain't right, God? Really? My Bible tells me that the bride will come to a spot that God, while she's even thinking, God will give it to her. But that'll never happen as long as we're... Why do we need to recognize him? Oh, sure. Do you, are you, do you have a fear of him, Brother Donnie? You better believe I do. Oh, yes. Oh, I do fear him. I've seen what he can do when he gets angry. I don't want him mad at me. But you know what? If I mess up, it still don't mean that I become serpent seed when I mess up and then I become a son. I'm still a son when I mess up. What are you folks ever going to understand? Adam was not choosing in the Garden of Eden whether he was going to become a son of God or a serpent seed. Adam was choosing his course of life and his fellowship and life's journey. He was not choosing, do I want to go to hell? Do I want to become a seed of the devil? That was not his choice at all. Oh my. I hope you're going to realize it before you leave and I simply believe the bride will that you're going to realize when you got saved it wasn't you being changed from a goat. It wasn't you being changed from a serpent seed. It was you recognizing who you already were and getting the baptism of the Holy Ghost on your soul. You see, this is the kind of experience that Brother Redham had with God in relationship that he said he never asked God for anything. Never asked God for anything. That if God didn't give it to him, he would tell him why not. Well, I'm scared to get mad at me. What, what if he rears back and, well, if he rears back, you're, I mean, you're going to be in a mess of trouble. 
But if he rears back to hit you, he's got to hit the brightness of his glory first. Don't you understand how that the people of God in Goshen, the angel of death could not touch them because they were good. They were not good. They showed by their behavior they were not even worthy of such an exodus. But how did the angel of God not touch their lives? Because the token, the token, the blood of an innocent sacrifice was on the door signifying it had already suffered in their place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, oh my God, cannot smite his bride without coming through his brightness of his rays of glory, which is perfect, which is holy. Why does he give us mercy when we don't deserve it? Oh my, we have brought reproach upon his name. We failed him much more after we got saved than we ever did before we got saved. And yet he reaches to the bride and the prophet said, oh, how great is the mercy of God to the bride. Why? Because you are in the beloved. He loves you. Well, Brother Donnie, if that's the way it is, I'm going to go out after church today and do whatever I want to. That proves you don't even love him right. Notice this. The man who lives in the presence of God under the veil lives in the Shekinah glory. I don't care if the storms are raging or the clouds or the moon don't shine or the stars don't shine. When the candlesticks goes out, that doesn't matter, which we know represent the church age messengers. That don't matter. He's living in the Shekinah glory of God under the power of the Holy Ghost. Listen to how the Shekinah will reveal him. How could the Shekinah glory ever reveal him in three persons? Or with some of the message people in two persons? There's no two persons in the Godhead. There's no three. There's one. So when I sat there that morning a few years ago in Illinois in the woods and I looked at them rays coming down, Brother Greg, through the trees, was that another person? From the sun? Are you sure? That was not another person. So there wasn't a sun there and another sun down here and it had come on down the atmosphere. It was the same effect. This was the effect of that. Don't you see what Jesus was? He was the effect of God. He was the effect of the eternal. He was that which I could see. I, I can't even stand hard to even look at the sun very long. People go blind by doing it. I cannot do it. Now imagine magnifying that by millions of times. That would be looking at the eternal. He could not even be approached to by a mortal man. But what did I do? I could sit there and look at them rays all day long. Why? It was a condensation of the sun. 93 million miles away. But the atmosphere and the UV rays and all that Whenever it comes down, it breaks it down into a form that I can look at and say, wow. Wow. Beautiful. But if I would look at the cause, I'd sit and I'd look and I'd look and before long, I'd start going blind. Why? It was not made to be looked at in that way. Give me a few more minutes. You see, how could the Shekinah glory 
ever reveal him as being baptized in the people in the name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost. When there's never a person in the Bible baptized that way, how could the Shekinah glory limit him to an apostle? when he's the same yesterday and forever. Well, let me just bring it on down a little bit. How could the Shekinah glory limit him to just the prophet? People that are limited to Brother Branham do not believe Hebrews 13, 8. The Bible don't say, well, you're Mary and Branham the same yesterday and forever, but Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't get mad at me. He was Hebrews 13, 8 before Brother Branham was born. Hebrews, he, thir, Hebrews 13, 8 when Brother Branham was still a sinner. He was Hebrews 13, 8 when Brother Branham was here. And let me go on to say, he's still Hebrews 13, 8 to this very day. Oh my, the Shekinah glory manifests him. It brings forth this word of promise right out to you. That's the reason that they had to veil Moses' face because of him, in him was the word. He veiled Jesus as a humble little man to keep them from seeing Jehovah. And he veils himself today in earthen vessels. Oh, listen now, this is the main earthen vessel speaking, and he makes this word plural. He veils himself today in earthen vessels with the Shekinah. The outside looks like a bunch of holy rollers. Oh, badger skin. But the inside hides the Shekinah glory. Now listen what it does in the believer's heart. It ripens the shoe bread that we feast on and drive across the country for hundreds of miles, see? It's the believer's food. It's only for a believer. The Shekinah glory ripens the shoe bread in the believer's heart. This is why we need the word. Well, you're gonna go to church and say, oh, I'm good. I went last Sunday. I think I can miss her for Sunday. Man, he preaches so long and so fast. I, I get plenty. I get plenty. It lasts me for another month. Well, you're not in the Shekinah yet. My, my, my. If you really get in there, you well, how many of y'all eat once a month at home? I can tell by looking at most of you, that ain't possible. Maybe once an hour. Well, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Yeah? And you feed that hunger, don't you? You give it carbs, you get it sugar, you give it this and that and other, and whatever it is that you feed it on. Man, I'm hungry. I've got to satisfy. Well, there ought to be that great of a hunger inside of our soul for the Word of God. Oh, hallelujah. Notice what it does do. What does it do? That shoe, Shekinah glory over the shoe bread. It kept it from spoiling. Friends, that's why folks are leaving the message. The message ain't changed since whenever they first come in. But where is it spoiled in them? Oh, I don't want that. Oh. Well, they used to eat that and scream and holler and shout glory to God and hallelujah. And they'll say, oh, that false prophet, that liar. Well, I'm still eating the same thing and doing more for me now than it's ever done. What about some of you? Y'all doing the same thing? Well, what's the problem? It's spoiled. Somebody is spoiled in them. And it's easy to see they're really spoiled too because they got a bad smell on them. Oh, yeah. They're living like the world, acting like the world, going back to the slop of the hogs of the world. Well, come on, preach, Brother Donnie. And while they're doing that, the bride's still feasting on the unfailing body word of the Son of Man. Maybe you hear the voice of a Kentucky whenever you push play on that tape I hear more than that I hear a vindicated messenger sent by God to introduce me to Jesus Christ one day I'm going to stand there beside that 
prophet messenger and I'm going to give an account for what I preach. I agree with that. And he's going to introduce us to the Lord Jesus. But let me break your balloon this morning. He isn't just going to. He already has. He has introduced me to my Lord, my husband, my kinsman redeemer. Hallelujah. Not a God that's out to get me. Not a God that's out to kill me, but a God that loves me. Praise God. Brother Daniel, let's read this last one here. Right below that one, the identified Christ. Until you come in behind that badger skin. Until you get out of your old skin. Your old thoughts, your old creeds. And come into the presence of God. Then the word becomes a living reality to you then you're awakened to the Shekinah glory. Then the Bible becomes a new book. You see, for those who just say, well, when the prophet preached, it become a new book. That's true. But unless this happens to you, you're still missing it. Look, we're some here today, second and third generation message people. We've got third and fourth generation message people alive on the earth today. What's it becoming to many of them? All serpent seed and water more, it's just a doctrine, just a doctrine, just a doctrine. But if this becomes a reality to you, it's more than, well, mama believes this. Why, why, why do you believe that? Well, I don't know. Why do you young girls not cut your hair? I'm scared of Brother Donnie. Believe me, I'm the least of your worries. All the deacons, the deacons are the least of your worries. And to me, you need to be concerned about God. Mm. Then you're awakened to the Shekinah glory, then the Bible becomes a new book, then Jesus Christ, uh-oh, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're living in his presence, eating the shoe bread that's provided, oh my, that's provided only that day for believers, priests only. And we are priests, royal priesthood, holy nation, peculiar people, giving spiritual sacrifices to God. But you must come in to behind the veil to see the unveiled God. God is unveiled. That's his word made manifest. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hebrews 8.1, we'll pick this up again maybe next week. Now, the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. This is the sum. We have such an high priest who sat on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, whereof is a necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and shadow 
of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. Then Christ's presence in our soul helps us possess our vessel in sanctification and honor. Praise God. Why? You have deity in you. (laughs) The baptism of the Holy Ghost and the same author that put his signature upon Peter. Put his signature on you, Brother Mac. Put his signature on every son and daughter of God here today that's filled with the Holy Ghost. He is God's one and only engraving tool. You see what denominational spirits do? They want to pick out who the bride is. We've had all them moves among the message for years and years. Well, the bride will believe this, and the bride, this is the bride right here. Don't you see what they're trying to do? They're trying to take the place of the signature tool. And they're the ones going to say, you're the bride. Well, if you believe what we believe, then you're the bride. If you don't believe what we believe, there ain't no way you can be the bride. And who gave you the tool? Who made you the tool maker? Or who made you the tool? As a matter of fact, nobody did. There's only one tool, and that's Christ, his word. I imagine we'll be surprised when we get there that day, and there'll be folks that will just be absolutely so overwhelmed that they didn't make it because it's absolutely hypocrite. And there'll be others that you'll look around and say, Lord, have mercy. Well, I'd have never thought. And they look back at you and say, I never thought you'd be here either. (laughs) Wow, God is a God of miracles. So who is the tool? Him. And what's he do? Previously marked out copies of the likeness of the son of himself. So all of you have got documents, no doubt. And it took several days to get them in the mail if they had to mail them. Of course, now they got the DocuSign and all that sort of thing. But some of them still want it on paper, so they fax it to you. I've got many here at the church office. And they'll fax it. Brother Jim used to call me, Brother Donnie, you need to sign this. Brother Donnie, you need to sign this. I'm going to lay it on your desk. Okay, buddy, okay. Well, some of them faxes, when they'd come through, the heading might be gone at the top or a little something missing at the bottom. But this fax one is an absolute perfect replica. In him was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Praise God. So on the day of Pentecost, there was 120 machines we'll say, in the upper room. And all of them started getting the Holy Ghost alert. Y'all get that amber alert on your phone? And that silver alert is when old people, when old people get lost and they now started sending out this silver alert. So if you're looking for a guy about this tall and kind of got grayish brown hair and he's, you don't know who he is, you know, kind of keep an eye out for him. God started sending out beep, 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 beep. And here he come in there like a mighty Russian Ruach Elohim, a wind. Peter, James, John, Mary, Bartholomew, all all them different ones. They all started getting the facts at the same time. Praise God. And here it's been 2,000 years. If your machine's on today, you can still get it. Don't you love him? 
Let me just ask you, just be honest. If, if you don't mean it, don't raise your hand, please. How many wants to be this type of a Christian? That God can let his Shekinah. Oh, praise the Lord. You see, friends, we come to church to eat. Yes, we come to church to feed. But a real believer has shoe bread in their soul. In their experience. And yes, they come and they feed on the ministry, but they ruminate because they're sheep. What keeps the message from spoiling the heart of a real believer? It's where it's kept. Ain't no worms in my heart. Praise the Lord. No. It's alive. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father, if there's any here today that the great author has never taken their soul, as it were, into his hands and put his personal signature on them. Lord, we know we could go to church for years. We could sing, shout, run, dance. We could quote the Bible, quote the prophet. And still, the tool never moved on our soul. This tool was a tool of souls. The lamb that you offered for Adam and Eve that day did not have a soul. The lamb that Abel offered did not have a soul. But you produced a lamb that had a soul. Hallelujah. And that soul was made an offering according to the prophecy in Isaiah. So that soul was made an offering for us. And you came to save your people from their sins. Lord, if there's any here in the visible audience or any that will stream this service, and they believe, they believe the word, they believe the message of the hour, but they've never had that real personal experience of the author pinning the seal on their life. I can pray for people, and I have, and I'll continue to do so for them to receive the Holy Ghost, but I can't give it to anybody. We could gather around them as a church and lay our hands on them and pray for them, but we cannot pin the identification of the seal on their soul. You are the Spirit's only tool. Oh, Son of God. Pass to us this morning, Lord. We believe you've spoken to us by your word. Now engrave upon us by your tool, which is the facts of God. There were no missing letters. There was nothing that was smudged by the transmission. We know that faxes sometimes, maybe it's the frequency, I don't know exactly how it works, but when we get them, they're a little bit smudgy looking. Maybe it's the machine, maybe it was the signal, we don't know. But I know, Lord, if we try to call, if there's a dedicated fax line, and if we try to call that number to talk to someone on that number, we can't do it because it's a dedicated fax line. So we just get a funny sound on the other end. Moses wasn't that line. Jeremiah wasn't that line. That line was the word, the son. Oh, praise God. 
So whenever you faxed yourself down into him at the river that day, there was no busy signal, there was no funny line, but the human recipient was on the earth and the divine fax came from the eternal in the form of a dove. And it goes inside that human body. Praise the Lord, the firstborn among many brethren. The beginning of the new creation. As I said here Wednesday night, Lord, the angels rejoiced as the earth was being made, as the universe was being made. The angels rejoiced when this new creation become a human being. I wasn't there. I wasn't there in far, as far as a form was concerned when the angels shouted. But I was there when the new creation started in me. I rejoiced then and I'm still rejoicing today because I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Oh, Lord God, pass by this way today. Maybe there's some of you that feel like you've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but you're just going through a lot lately. And you just need a renewing, a refreshing, as the Bible calls it, from the presence of the Lord. Would you just raise your hand up today? I'm going to pray for you. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. We know there's one seal and one baptism, but many refillings, as it were. Lord God, we've all been through so much in the last couple of years. It's where the Amos prayed earlier, Father. Stress, strain, difficulty, sickness, heartache, death, trouble. Father God, in the name of Jesus, may there be a renewing, Lord, a refreshing from the presence of the Most High God. We're not approaching a harsh, judgmental, mean, angry God today, but we are approaching our husband, our lover, our redeemer, our Most High God. It's not looking for us to mess up so he can kill us. Hallelujah. But you told us by your prophet to ask for great things and ask for many of them. That don't sound like a God that's nervous and all bent out of shape and will allow one request per day. That sounds like a husband that's got the riches of eternity. Praise the Lord God. If these people could understand they're not worrying you by bringing their needs to you daily anymore. It's almost hourly, Lord. We're not wearying you. And what I'm afraid God gets tired of hearing me. You busied yourself for the children of Israel. And you tell us, ask for big things. And ask for lots of them. Hallelujah. Believe for the impossible. Glory to God, the reason I can believe for the impossible today because that's what happened to me so many years ago. Hallelujah, hallelujah. What was not even probable became reality when I got born again. Basically raised a heathen, wasn't raised in church, didn't even know how to pray, didn't know how to even talk to you, Lord God. 
Hallelujah. What seemed like impossible. What seemed like something that would never happen. I experienced a miracle. Lord God, not only me, but every individual here today who has met you. So it's in our nature to believe for the improbable. It's in our nature to believe for the impossible. Because this is the faith of our father Abraham who looked at the promise of God and considered not even the deadness of his own body nor the deadness of Sarah's womb, but counted those things that were not as though they were and were strong in faith, giving glory to God. So Father, we're not gonna wait till the doctor's report says we're healed. We're gonna testify today by your stripes we're already healed. We're not gonna wait till this moves or that moves. We're gonna go ahead and praise you right now. Lord, we're speaking to this mountain in the name of Jesus. There may not be but one grain of sand that moves on the other side of the mountain out of our sight, but by faith, we're calling that mountain gone. We're saying that mountain is out of our way. That mountain of a besetting sin, that mountain of a disease, that mountain of depression, that mountain of sadness, be thou removed and cast into the depths of the sea. By faith, we call it done. Praise the Lord God. Praise the Lord God. How many wants to water your promise now a little bit? With praise. Can we just worship him now just a little Oh, Jesus, we adore you today, Father. We bless your name, Lord God most high. Hallelujah, we love you today, Lord Jesus. I thank you for being my Savior. I thank you for being my Redeemer. I thank you for being my Deliverer and my King. I thank you for healing me when I'm sick. I thank you for encouraging me, Lord. I thank you for lifting me up. I thank you for being my body changer. I thank you for being my cell rearranger. I thank you, Lord God, for helping me when I'm weary. I thank you, Lord God, for giving me words to say to your children. I thank you, Lord, when I'm down and I sing. I don't know if I can preach another sermon or not, but Lord, something like Jeremiah said, it's like a fire shut up inside my bones. I thank you, Lord, hallelujah, for every child of God here today. I thank you for every member of the bride around the world. I thank you for sending us a prophet of God. I thank you for allowing us to go through trials which you and your wisdom allow to come our way. I also thank you for giving us strength to bring us on the other side. I thank you, Lord, for every time you've ever trusted me to be tried. I thank you for every time you've given me strength. I thank you for the promise of your word that says you'll never let me be tempted above that which I'm able to bear, but with the temptation you will make a way for my escape. I thank you for helping me when I'm weary. I thank you Lord God for delivering me when I was blue. I thank you Heavenly Father for opening my eyes and helping me to see who you are. That you're not mad at me. That you don't hate me. That you love me more than the sun. You love me more than the moon. You love me more than the universe. Hallelujah! Lord God I pray you would drop that in the heart of every believer today. Help them Lord Jesus even if they've messed up. 
Even if they brought reproach on you, Lord, and upon your cause, help them, Father, to realize that you are slow to wrath. You are slow to anger, Lord. In the name of Jesus, drive away that image from the minds of those who think you are out to get them, Father. May you step out of the pages of the book today and reveal yourself to the hearts of these people that you're a loving, gentle, wonderful, mindful, awesome, majestic, holy, pure, undefiled, almighty God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, that's it, children. Let's worship him. Oh, my. Let's not praise him now as an angry judge. Remember, his anger has become appeased. Glory to God. Can you imagine if you and I would be a mile or two from the sun? Our flesh would fall off of our bones. We wouldn't have to be that close. It would be so hot and so vicious. We'd never be able to survive it. If we were flying toward it and take us however long to get there and we got within 50 million miles of it and we start getting so hot in the spacecraft within 25 million miles, within 10 million miles and we would see the nuclear explosions taking place on the sun and we would say, oh God, oh God, no, 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 I don't want to go there. But being the right distance from the earth, oh, what does it do? It brings forth the beautiful flowers. It brings forth the potatoes that you eat and the carrots and the green beans. Why? Because the right distance between you. Don't you understand that we would approach Almighty God, but the distance between us was the span of time, the Logos. Amen. So instead of us now coming before him as a great burning, churning fire and great nuclear things as it was spewing off of him, what do we receive today? Oh, it's the light coming down through the trees. It's the light and the rays of mercy and rays of forgiveness and rays of kindness and rays of healing. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, let's just be like children today, can we? Let's just get out here in the rays of the Son of God. Praise the Lord. Let us just raise our hands and from our hearts, let's just get in these beautiful rays of the warmness of His Son. Oh, my. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord. But Brother Donnie, I'm scared, I'm scared, I messed up, I messed up. Yeah, you're thinking you're gonna face the sun directly. Oh my, but remember, you've got a space of time between you and him. What is that space? The Logos, the sun, the word, the mercy seat. It keeps you at a safe distance from the judgment of God. Mercy and judgment, mercy and judgment, kissed and embraced. Mercy and judgment got married. Hallelujah. They got married in Christ Jesus. They kissed and embraced. Mercy was against judgment as it were and judgment was against mercy. The law did not ever bring much mercy at all. Only judgment. But a marriage took place in Christ Jesus when the judgment of God was met and answered was what? More judgment? Mercy, mercy. Then mercy took the pen out of your hand and my hand and it started rewriting our lives. Lord, they don't tell me what I'd have wrote. 
if the pen would have remained in my hand. On both sides of my family, drunks, liars, men running around on their wives, all kinds of old stuff in my DNA, all kinds of stuff in my brain. Come on, don't sit there and look at me. You're as bad as I was. Don't tell them what kind of a life I'd have had today. Donnie Reagan, oh yeah, I know him. He's been married five or six times. He's a drunk, this, that, and the other. But mercy rewrote my life. Mercy took the pen out of my hand and said, here, Donnie. Here, Donnie. Let me rewrite your story. Many of you want God to be the co-author of your life. He don't work like that. He wants to be the author. You want him to be your co-author. You see bumper stickers, you know, God is my co-pilot. Yeah, that's the way they are spiritually too. They go where they want to go and tell God to shut up. God don't want to be your co-pilot. He wants to be your pilot. And he wants to be the author of your life. Are you willing to give him your pen and paper today? Are you willing? Sing something for us, Harry. Let's just worship, can we? Oh, no, you want to go eat and you got your lunch planned and all this and the other. I'll tell you, I don't, I don't care what you're going to eat or where you're going to go. There ain't nothing going to be more important than just spending a few minutes right now in the presence of the king. Think of it. Judgment has been met. You don't have to crawl, Brother Amos. Oh, God, oh, oh, God, no, no, no. But how does the Bible tell us to come? Come boldly, boldly before the throne of grace. Let's worship him together. Oh, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. For your mercy never fails me. Hallelujah. All my days. Thank you, Jesus. I've been held in your hands. Oh, I have, Lord. From the moment that I wake up till I lay my I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so
this morning I heard this song being sung I couldn't remember the name of it I kept trying to recall what is the name of that song because I'm going to have Harry to sing it thank you sir my memory's failing but yours is thank you to you oh glory to God oh my life you have been
Let's sing, Lord, send the rain or let the fire fall. Lord, we are the ones called by your name. We humble ourselves now as we pray. Renouncing every sin and wicked way. We lift our we seek your face and say, Lord, send the rain, pour out your spirit, let the fire fall, heal us one and all, fall fresh on me.
Elijah. Days of Elijah. Let's just sing that. Wasn't it good to be in church this morning? Aren't you glad that we have a father that we're not afraid to approach? Amen. Let's just sing this together as we go. Don't forget the service Wednesday night and just, just worship him as you're going this morning. These are the days of Elijah Declaring the word of the Lord And these are the days of your servant Moses Righteousness being restored And though these are days of great trial a famine and darkness and sore. We are the voice in the desert crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Behold, he comes riding on a cloud, shining like a sun at the trumpet call. Lift your voice, it's a year of jubilee. Salvation come. These are the days of Ezekiel, dry bones becoming as flesh. And these are the days of your servant David, rebuilding a temple of praise. Are the days of the harvest? The fields are as white in your world, and we are the laborers in your vineyard, declaring the word of the Lord. Behold, He comes riding on a cloud, shining like the sun at the trumpet call. Your voice, it's a year of jubilee. Out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. There's no God like Jehovah. 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 Declaring the word of the Lord And these are the days of your servant Moses Righteousness being restored And though these are days of great trial Of famine and darkness and sore We are the voice in the desert cry 
Salvation 